Welcome back to the AEC Disruptors Podcast, your platform to help push the AEC industry forward. I'm your host, Chris Ferdell, and joining me today is my co-host, Jackson Sinsat. How's it going, Jackson? It's going good, Chris. You, uh, you have your coffee this morning? Yeah, I just had a big cup of coffee. I've got my uh, Kima Texas mug here, which um, I don't, for the listeners who aren't familiar, it's on the Gulf Coast uh, near Galveston, and it's lined with great white sharks. And uh, for those of you who, you know, would be scared of swimming in Kima, I promise there's no great white sharks in Kima. Oh, man. So how do you make your coffee? Is this, uh, do you make pots of coffee? Do you use a Keurig? So I've actually been using the exact same coffee pot that I had my freshman year at college. Oh, wow. So from then until now, I've been using the same one. And it's because, well, first of all, my fiance doesn't drink coffee. And it's just a little five pot maker. Mm -hmm. And since we're all about sustainability over here at the AEC Disruptors, yeah, I figured I wouldn't get a Keurig because those are wasteful. Um, <laughs> so, uh, it's just a standard five pot coffee maker. Um, haven't been to the store in a while, so there's no milk in it. So it's just black. No, that's how you're supposed to, you know, I, I feel guilty now. So I, I have a, I have a Keurig. <laughs> I, I didn't mean uh, to throw you under the bus there. <laughs> I, uh, I'll be honest though. So we started watching, um, down to earth with Zac Efron on Netflix and it talks a lot about sustainability and, um, what to do for the environment, all these things. And afterwards, I'm like, well, crap, I need to stop drinking out of my Keurig. So I bought a bunch of like recyclable uh, little fillable things. And so I'm trying to help with the environment, um, which is, you know, step forward into the future. And so, uh, so today's guest, we, um, you know, I, I believe they probably also were looking at sustainability because this group we talked to today uh, they have a whole section of their department, their whole section of the company that they called Beyond Engineering. And when I saw that, it really grabbed my attention. And so today's guest is uh, Jake, ha Jake Hauptman, and he is with Morton Lawson, uh, but he also is an innovation leader at Precise Visual Technologies. And what was interesting about them is this is an engineering company that broke out a section that they called Beyond Engineering. And with that, they took what really, in a way, was a, a technology group that met at lunch. And over time, with influence from the top and support from the top, and then these individuals, you know, it really has been a huge influential piece of this sister company, uh, this uh, PVT. And so, you know, my question to you, Jackson, one is how many engineering firms out there are you seeing that have been this innovative to really recognize where they need to go? and uh, what they need to do? Um, I, I think there are a good number of engineering firms that at least consider themselves to be innovators, but I think that few um, reach the level that Jake and Borton have gotten to, and few have invested the time and the research to, um, you know, exclusively to innovation. Um, I mean, you he know. talked like this was a five-year journey already because, you know, he joked about people say, why would you get on a podcast and talk about your secrets? And he, you know, he said, I, I, I don't mind because if you started today, you're already five years behind where we are. So it's, it's been a long journey to, to get there. Right. Yeah. I, I thought that was kind of funny because, um, you know, the thing about innovation is um, it's, it's a hard thing to do and it's a, 
you know, you've mentioned this before. It's it's a game of failure, and um, you know, you can come on a podcast and talk about um, your innovation strategy, and you know, people can try to replicate it, but it's a hard thing to do. It really is, and you know, that's why I wanted to to bring them on because the uh, you know, kind of the overarching conversation that we had was why, why is there a need to innovate? Why do we need to innovate specifically in the AEC? And, and I would say um, out of that, the, one of the key takeaways that really stuck with me was uh, having that support at the very top. Um, you know, having someone get behind, having leadership get behind, it's not just something that they, you know, put in a tagline or anything like that, but it really was supported from the very top. Right. And that's hard to do, you know, to be somebody who's at the very top. And most of those people who are at the top of their industry right now, you know, they came from a world where, you know, there certainly weren't many innovation departments. And for people at the top like that to have the courage to, um, you know, let their workers spend time on R&D, on innovation, because they know that, you know, it may not produce results immediately, um, but it could produce results down the road. When I was a kid, my dad always told me about delayed gratification. And I think that that's a perfect way to describe innovation is, you know, you may, you may be putting in a lot of work right now that you may not feel like you're producing, but you know, all you're doing is you're waiting for that home run. Yep. Oh, I, I like that. That's a great way to kick off the episode. So I hope everyone gets to enjoy it. Um, again, you know, we, uh, we really pulled them, pulled them out because of that beyond engineering and how innovative it seems like they're moving. So hope everyone enjoys the episode. Uh, there's a there's a million softwares out there that can that can you know help you out with organizing stuff like you know monday.com and stuff like that but i think a rolled out sheet of 30 inch paper with some markers is the best way to figure things out oh yeah i like it why don't you go ahead and kick us off talk get you know tell me a little bit about yourself you know how you ended up where you are and then we can go from there okay uh yeah so my background has um has always been pretty technical you know i started off in high school uh taking i took four years of drafting in high school so i was pretty uh i was pretty excited about having that opportunity and um i went right into a technical school for for architectural drafting it was just more drafting technology and i just really like the the software i like the ability to build things in the software i've always been really drawn to that so i kind of saw myself going down the you know towards the engineering world but um you know as i got out into the job, the job market, I started seeing things, um, you know, the way businesses operated and, you know, being the technical guy, it was always my job to, you know, make sure I delivered, you know, the product, you know, high quality on time. And, you know, I was, and I was the one in the, in, in the, you know, the bits and bites there making things happen. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I started off in survey, uh, which was pretty cool to kind of get out there and see, you know, what happens when, th- before things get built, um, what, you know, what happens on the back end of that, like why project, why, why it matters where things are. It was a really good experience for me. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. It was cool to get my hands on some technology, uh, doing some single man survey and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I, I had always kind of 
messed around, played around in my head a little bit with the idea of going to engineer into engineering, going back to school, getting uh, getting an engineering degree. Um, but uh, the further I got into it, the, the less I really kind of wanted to do that because I wanted to stay technical. Yep. Um, and, and I didn't want to turn into one of those guys who becomes a PE and then becomes a project manager and then never touches CAD ever again or any yep. software besides Excel. And whatever. just because you've been there a while, you have to take that new job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so you know, I went from survey and I went into architecture. I went uh, and I was doing kind of mostly architecture, construction services. Um, doing a lot of stuff with with um, with, with uh, the land development group as well in that firm, and then uh, an opportunity came down the pipe, and it was right around the time when the Marcellus Shale boom was happening. And one of my ex coworkers called me up and was like, "Hey, you want to make a ton of money and work your brains off?" Yeah, and I was <laughs> like, "All right, sure, let's let's do this." And uh, uh, I went and I I took, I took a job doing uh, you know working in the oil and gas industry for a long time, and it was all just civil work, environmental work. Um, um, I guess um, archaeological um, resources and things like that. Uh, it was just very much like planning, routing, and things like that. And mm-hmm. uh, it it was a lot of work. It was it was just eighty hours of just grunt work constantly. But uh, but after that, I uh, you know things slowed down, um, and I got, I found Borton Lawson, and you know I just from from a company standpoint, I was like, wow. You know, I feel like this company has it together a little bit better than most of the companies I've worked for. Not that they didn't have it together. It's just mm-hmm. that, like, they had, I feel like, more of a vision, like a forward-looking vision than mm-hmm. I, than I, maybe I just wasn't looking for it when I was younger and I was when I was older, but yep. I did. And uh, I really enjoyed, uh, you know, when I first got on board, just the, the care they took to a lot of things. But even when I got in Warren Lawson, there were still things I was kind of like, well, you know. I feel like there's some things we can improve. <laughs> and given the fact that I had been tech to- technical my entire career, it's just like, I felt like I had the ability to build all these tools and I, I started joining committees and things like that. And I wanted to drive change in the company and, you know, because I knew they wanted it. It's just, they needed champions to make it happen. And that's yeah. kind of like, I think the whole premise of my story is in the story of Borton Lawson is like, they have, they have one thing that sometimes companies lack is they have buy-in from leadership. The leadership wants every like wants the best like wants us to be technology forward. They want us to be high performing culture. They want us to be innovative. Uh, they just they need the right people, and mm-hmm. and I think when when they when they stand there and they say like let's make this happen, come on help us out, and someone's got to step up and do it, you know. And I saw that opportunity there, so that was kind of the beginning of the, the journey there. I think it's huge. The the um the buy in I think is huge. Mm-hmm. from the top because you know i worked at places that they talk about it and you know whatever they may it may be but it's not from the top you know even a grassroots effort i believe has some merit but at some point you do hit that final decision maker yeah and, yeah uh, i think it's exciting they were behind it yeah that we definitely had some grassroots uh because i think the thing is is like they wanted it but they i don't think they really could foresee how it would transpire so it kind of had to be a little black grassroots too, because it was kind of, at first they, they might've been thinking, well, I'm not sure if this is necessarily going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Is this what we're asking for? I don't know. And you know, it, it had to give it time and let it kind of grow organically. Yeah. It's yeah. You know, that's a good point because you know, I, in fact, right before this, I had a meeting in which um, I had a task at hand and I kind of deviated because in my thought, I'm like, all right, that task is important, but to get there, 
I think we need to think about these six things. Yeah. You know, and when I went into that meeting, I was a little nervous. It's like, okay, this is going to go one or two ways. One, it's going to be like, that's not what I asked for. Or two, it's going to say, okay, I'm glad you thought of that. Now let's, you know, what can we do from here? And yeah. uh, so I, I, I agree that really that grassroots effort kind of coincides, but then having at least, I guess, them at the top that are accepting of change, willing to try, you know, I've been in places where they think they know and they want to drive the bus. And yeah. then even if it's in the wrong direction. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, my, my dad, he worked in, uh, you know, in a paint factory his entire life and he always was on the floor and, you know, it's always funny when I talk to him about, uh, you know, his management would come up with these crazy ideas where they wanted to implement something new, you know, maybe a new software on, you know, on their forklifts or something like that for their inventories. And he's just like, these guys just sit in their office all day long and they just dream up these crazy ideas and then, then they give them to us and, and they don't work. And it's, you know, like you need, you, you need the participation for at the floor level, but you, you gotta have the buy-in too. You know, there has to be communication. If there's a disconnect, like you're just gonna get crappy, crappy solutions, I think all the time. I agree. You know, innovation, the concept is hard, right? Um, and it's foreign to a lot. I, when I, and, it, and I kind of want to talk a little bit about Borden Lawson in this light, but I feel like the culture aspect of innovation is part of the most critical aspect. Um, because without getting that, you know, whether it's buy-in or just even from your peers. So, you know, when, when Borden Lawson, and again, the reason was I was interested is when you look, you guys are one of the few that have like that beyond engineering section. Yeah. Um, so before, why don't you tell us a little bit about high level that, and then really how has the culture evolved at uh, Borton Lawson to really take on this, these innovative solutions? Yeah, there's, there's, there's quite a timeline there. Um, Walk me through. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it doesn't end there either. And that's, that's kind of part of why I wanted to, to wait a little bit to talk to you because there was some stuff in the works when we had originally talked that mm -hmm. um, has transpired since then. So oh, awesome. it does go a step past beyond, actually. We're beyond beyond. Oh, <laughs> um, into the beyond. Into it, yeah. So, so uh, as I mentioned, you know, we had some, some grassroots efforts in my company. Um, I started about six years ago at Fort Lawson and um, a couple of years into it, uh, we, we started a, a committee and it was kind of a bunch of CAD people, you know, we have Bentley people, we have AutoCAD, Revit, uh, and we got together and we were like, we need a, a group that just, just sits there together and focuses on this stuff that, you know, we're really committed. So we created this group, um, it was called the Collaborative Technology Management Group. So we, CTMG, it's a, it's a big mouthful. Yep. Nobody ever gets the acronym right either. <laughs> Say it for me one more time, CTMG. You got it. You got it. Yes. <laughs> so uh, this group kind of started out of like almost like a CAD management group, but then it kind of turned into like a technology group. We started looking at things that were outside of CAD and new software and, and tech in the industry. And, um, you know, within, within the first year, the group went from about six people to, geez, probably like 15 or so. Uh, and we had a lot of interest in the company for people to be wanted to be a part of it. And, you know, our management saw the group kind of bubbling up a little bit and they were like, let's, let's throw some people at this. So, mm -hmm. you know, the CEO would have a conversation with somebody at a lunch meeting when they first got hired and they'd come to me and he'd say, hey, this person really is into coding and they like, uh, you know, AI stuff. Like just put them in, just put them in CTMG. And I'm like, okay, all right, well, whatever. Let's just open the doors to anybody. I don't care. Yeah. Like the more minds, the better. So 
And now, um, did you guys have like, um, in a way, did you have, because obviously you're still engineers or working in an engineering firm. I mean, was there some type of breakdown so you understood like how much time to spend on that versus elsewhere? Or was it just kind of, we trust you, go for it? Yeah, so one of the greatest things I have to say is uh, big props to my IT director. He's he's a really great guy and he um, he loves this stuff. I mean, he just eats technology and innovation, you know, for every meal of the day. And <laughs> he... Um, he, he supported it. You know, he, he would, he got involved right in the beginning and we turned this into kind of like a lunch thing. Um, mm -hmm. so we would get sandwiches every day or not every day, but like once a month we'd get sandwiches and we'd all sit around for an hour and, and somebody would prepare something. So a lot of times like I'd, you know, work on something throughout the, the last month and then I'd present it. Um, and then a couple more people would step up and they'd do it. And then we started trying to come up with ideas and then we started branching off subcommittees like, well, these people are really focused on drones. They really like drones. Let's, let's put a little group around that. So they don't have to come to the monthly meeting all the time and sit through things they don't care about anymore. We just found that there was five people that really like drones. Let's put them in their own group. Okay. And then uh, there were people that were interested in crazy stuff like blockchain, you know, and, and mm -hmm. just AI or machine learning. And, and we just kind of, just kind of all started looking at those focused areas and then we come together as, a, as an entire group and kind of recap all those subcommittees. And that just started to turn into the way the group started. So we got up to about, you know, 24 people in the group then. Wow. And, uh, and so the recaps were just like, everybody come in, we get lunch for everybody. And at that point, you know, corporate had been paying quite a bit of attention to this thing. And, you know, we had, uh, you know, them, they, they were hundred percent on board with this and just bring the people in and let's, let's talk. And it was starting to give people ideas like, our salespeople were starting to starting to change the way they spoke to their their clients because wow. they were just learning new words. They were seeing things that they were recognizing. I think it just really stirred up a lot of uh, technology um, kind of vernacular in the company, mm -hmm. where we all started kind of speaking that language a little bit. Um, so you know, it was it was not a big deal for us to to get these things you know these committees rolling and scheduled. There was just like I said, a ton of buy-in. So. Nobody was batting an eye at it. That's awesome. So um, now were you, because I guess in the beginning, were you like the lead of this committee or one of the leads? Is that how it sort of shaped out? Uh, I wouldn't say that I was a leader of the group. I would definitely say that, I mean, I definitely did a lot of content generation for the group. Mm -hmm. um, again, my, my IT director, Craig, he, he, he did a ton of um, content generation. He hosted the meetings. He always made sure they were scheduled. Uh, we just had other contributors to um, one of the groups in our beyond engineering is headed by um, a guy, Reg Miller. He was a huge contributor too. he, um, you know, he really crushed a lot of things. I mean, he has, he's a tech guy, he's coding and he loves the BIM stuff and rabbit. And, you know, he, so there were a lot of us, I think the, the core group, there was probably, I would say about five to six people that really were the contributors. There were a lot of people that just kind of came to absorb. Okay. Um, so Borton Lawson, and I mean, do you feel like, do you think they always kind of had the vision of, in a way of this, or is this something they recognized that they needed to be more innovative and they needed to be, you know, was, what was kind of like, do you know what the turning point was where they recognized, Hey, we need to do something. Yes. Well, I mean, yes, a little bit. Um, you know, one of our, one of our values as a company is technology. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's like, you know, when we started back in the eighties, well, before I was in, involved, um, you know, we were one of the first local firms to really start, you know, doing computer drafting. Um, mm -hmm. you know, so it was kind of like, you know, we laugh at stuff like that, but in a way, I mean, that was, that was cutting edge. 
yep. you know, and getting the, the, the print, the plotters and things like that. You know, we've always, as a company kind of tried to at least keep a foot forward with, uh, with technology. And then, um, you know, about 10 years ago, or maybe probably more than that now, uh, maybe 12 or so, um, our, we got a new CEO, or, well, we, um, our CEO, our current CEO joined the company. Okay. And, um, and he has some previous experience with some technology firms uh, of his own. So, mm-hmm. you know, he, he definitely just kind of was another ingredient in the mix, uh, kind of a catalyst too, I think a little bit with this whole thing. So, um, you know, it was definitely something that I think that the company always valued. I just don't think at this rate is what, you know, it wasn't expected. Um, so you guys are really, so you said um, some things have changed. Is that stuff you can share? Uh, yeah. So, so, I mean, I know you asked about the beyond engineering and I'm giving you a mouthful here. <laughs> no, that's, you know, and that was part of the reason is, you know, when we, when I came across you, you all, or I was introduced to you all, you know, of course I go to the website like everyone does. And I really was intrigued by that specific segment. Cause like everyone else that's in engineering is doing a lot of those similar things, but beyond engineering, even the concept that, you know, I, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I'm curious. And, you know, then I started digging into it and it's like, oh, I'm really curious as why did they feel like they needed to do this? And, you know, where is it taking them? Yeah. So, you know, I brought up CTMG and that was a whole chapter. Um, we, we created a, a new venture as a, as a company uh, a few years ago. Once, you know, once we saw, saw that, uh, that technology was a, um, was a differentiator for us, uh, just even just the conversation. So uh, we created Precise Visual Technologies um, as a sister company to Borden okay. And that company was um, more or less just a, a means for us to um, reach out and you know, reach clients from a technology perspective instead of from an engineering perspective. We, we've done a lot with laser scanning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a laser scanning team and we do a ton of it and we've really advanced how it's done. And that's a, that's like probably the backbone of PBT, I would say is the laser scanning. So we created that group, but it was, again, it wasn't, it wasn't employed. <laughs> it was, uh, it was just kind of like a, a company that we made, a, you know, to, as a sister company to leverage in name only. Yeah. Um, and, and there's always been kind of a plan for it. I think we, we knew we wanted it to become something. But mm-hmm. I, honestly, I can't speak to it. Um, I don't know everything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's history. Um, so sorry if I can't, I can't give you enough detail, but oh, no, you're good. What, what matters most is um, once that kind of happened and we had CTMG, we had, you know, we were investing in laser scanning and we were talking about digitizing, you know, everybody's assets or doing as-builts and uh, we're talking all this new technology and AR and VR, you know, we invested in a virtual reality setup. Um, we've been, you know, doing augmented reality with all our tablets and things like that. We just, it was, it was kind of like an aha moment, you know, when I think we realized that as a company, we were looking at a strategic plan. We wanted to restructure a little bit. Uh, we wanted to put more focus into all of our core business um, units. So, you know, we kind of divided out into all the areas where we felt focused and then we put beyond engineering in the middle as a um, horizontal group that mm-hmm. would ex- uh, extend all of its, um, its services to the other service centers within the company. So the industrial side and the municipal side would kind of reap the benefits of all the groups within there. So survey and environmental are in there, which is obvious they would share their services with the, all the other groups. 
Um, the Lifecycle Solutions Group was more of kind of like that commissioning and the BIM management, um, BIM execution for uh, construction jobs and that life cycle, you know, creating models and things like that that live beyond just the engineering. Um, you know, they can kind of sync up with like asset management systems like SAP, Maximo, stuff like that. And then the Emerging Technology Group was built as an R&D group, purely R&D. And I, and I always joke because when, when we were in CTMG, we were complaining all the time, like, why don't we just invest in, in R&D? Like, we just need some time to, the company really needs to give us some time to figure some stuff out. And I swear, it was like, they, they heard it and they just plucked all the people out of CTMG and they put everybody in beyond engineering that they could. <laughs> That's awesome because that I think is, it's one thing for the grassroots efforts. It's another thing for the buy-in from the top, but then there's a whole nother thing when you actually put the money behind it. Um, I know in my past life in an architecture firm, I like threw out the idea of we really need, whether it's a whole group or I'm dedicated, I'm allowed to spend two hours a day on it. We need R&D. That's the only way we're going to be able to survive and continue yeah. to differentiate. And, you know, it's a different mentality because in a way you have to be billable, right? You have to be working on projects and, and R&D is not, they, there's sometimes there is no return, but being able to understand that, but when there is a return, it's huge is a, yeah. is a different story. Well, you know, and everybody's always looking for the development to generate the returns. Like mm -hmm. I, have to, I have to build something in order for it to be sold. So, you know, we want to hand our clients some tangible product that we create, or we want to implement some sort of new coding or something like that on our process that automates things. And like, okay, there's immediate return. I, I'm seeing hours and, you know, time for schedule and things like that. Um, but there's also some some soft returns too i think with research um where you you start to realize things that are happening like you you, you gain insights you don't necessarily create anything but suddenly you have more insight into different industries or different er, uh, different technologies mm -hmm. and then the conversations with your clients start getting smarter and they start giving you ideas that you can actually feel because you can understand the concept. Um, and so it's, it's like an intelligence, we call it a technology IQ. If your technology IQ goes up, you can have more advanced conversations and you can kind of dream up more solutions for your clients, more unique solutions. So it kind of poises you to do better work for them and do more meaningful things. The AEC Disruptors podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and champion innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for the AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. If I understand certain aspects of the industry better and understand what the industry is going to do, yeah. then I can go speak to my customer and I can now tell them, hey, I've done the research for you and I can tell you where, you're, where this is all going yep. and this is where you have to go. You know? And now... I can listen to you as you described, and now I get ideas from you like, oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to go see what I can do with that.
So, I mean, I think it's, I like the, the technology IQ. I think that's a nice, uh, nice term. And some of that I didn't really think about. I mean, even in the moment when I'm doing the research, I didn't think of it as a, I'm gaining more insights that I can give to my customer. I was kind of looking at it as, at least for me, I need to understand what's going on. But yeah. how that plays back, I think is pretty critical. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, you know, we've, we've brought in companies to explain their, 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 what their offerings are. Just it, even though we knew for no, that we would never buy it, you know, it, it just wasn't for us. It was for our clients, but we needed to understand it better. So we we have an entire meeting, you know, an hour long meeting where we bring somebody in that sells something to manufacturing clients, you know, and we're just like, we just want to listen, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but when you have a room full of people that are ready to listen and that are soaking that information up, that's way more brain power than one person having one conversation on the phone with the, the you know the CEO of another company, like we're invested. And I think that's the big thing is like, when, when we talk to these vendors and we talk to uh, our clients, you know, it's been such a long road to get to this point mm -hmm. for us that, you know, when you have, when you have these conversations, we're all thinking this way, you know, we're not, we're not, it's not just one person. And then they turn around and say to the group, like, Hey, here's a great idea. And they're all gonna be like, no, let's just do what we always do. You know, <laughs> like yep. we have like, incredible buy-in and I and and, uh, and and people say aren't you afraid that if you get on a you know podcast and you start talking about all the things that you guys have done that have gotten you to where you're going to go it's like you're kind of like exposing your your secrets and I'm like you have five years easy ahead of you if you need to start today on this like if and, and good luck because you need the right people and, yep. and, you, and you need the right people in management so it's like I, I, I don't I'm not afraid at all I mean <laughs> no it took a long time to get here <laughs> yeah you know it's interesting because uh I was doing some research one day and I was looking up at uh, Zappos the shoe company mm -hmm. and um you know I, I don't think I've ever bought anything from there but they're they consider themselves a customer service company um, not a shoe company. And so, so I did some research and I was reading and then all of a sudden it came to, you know, not anyone could be Zappos. You could try all of a sudden to adopt the idea of customer service, but if yep. you don't have the infrastructure, you don't have the people, you don't have the vision, you don't have the, right. you can't just become, so I can't just become a Borton Lawson. I can't just become an Apple just cause I know like what they did. It yeah. was mainly the people that got you there. So I, I commend or I appreciate you and your company for wanting to talk some because in a way people can't copy what you do outside of physically taking some of you all and then starting it somewhere else. Right. Yeah. That would have to be it. You'd have the right kind of like concoction of people. Like mm -hmm. I work with so many people that, uh, you know, when we talk now, like I, I can't have conversations with other people that I have with them because we understand we all have like this unified kind of point of view, like this, this mission that we're all kind of on now, which it, you know, it, it, it definitely is harder when you're talking to people outside of the company about what we're doing. And it's funny because, um, you know, when I started talking about what I did in uh, emerging technologies, you know, friends, family, people that are outside of my company, they're just like, I don't understand what you do. <laughs> like, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting too, because, you know, there could be intrinsic value to doing podcasts or getting out and telling your story. Cause yeah, someone might try to copy it, but they're probably trying already. But yeah. what could happen is somebody be like, Whoa, I want to go talk to them because I have, you know, our views may align or I might mm -hmm. have, you know, some, there's some synergy between us. And yeah. so I think even the idea of you all accepting 
going on a podcast or talking about it shows or, you know, kind of speaks to who you are and you're really trying to make a change. Yeah. Yeah. Big, it's a big, it's a big uh, lift for sure. And I, uh, I think that, you know, I did talk internally with some people and they, you know, they, they said that, that, you know, it's good. I think good, you know, for us to have these podcasts and things like that. We just gotta, you know, I think it's a good platform talking to somebody who's in the AEC, you know, industry and, uh, you know, but we're kind of just starting this journey. So we'll see where it goes. <laughs> so where do you fall now in the, uh, the precise visual PVT? Yeah. So that was the next step. So beyond engineering was created to, you know, be the horizontal group between, um, our industry facing groups. And then, um, you know, it, it, in a way I kind of see it now, it's been uh, about two years, uh, almost two years since that whole thing kind of got, um, uh, launched mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, we had a lot of lessons learned, um, you know, in that two years, I would say that I, I think getting everybody on the page that I tell you that we're on now, it was, was a battle. Um, you know, it wasn't that, you know, people were resistant. It was just that it's like a communication breakdown, you know, and I was, tr I was trying not to be here, you know, with the way I was talking with technology, I wanted to make sure that I was coming at people practical, pragmatic, and, um, you know, boiling, you know, or, you know, distilling things down to, to easy communication. And so I spent two years learning the craziest things about technology that the industry is doing and other industries are doing, and then turning around and trying to talk to engineers about it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it, you know, it would, there was a lot of lessons learned and, and it was, you know, we, we encouraged them to generate innovative ideas and we, um, you know, and bring them to us so that we can try to develop them. We encouraged them to have higher level conversations with their clients so that we could engage their clients and start looking at how we could, implement technology solutions for their clients and it it, it just took so much time and, and then so i would say that pvt to me means success okay. you know we've we've done we've done well you know we've realized that as a company that we've connected some dots we we're all kind of speaking the same language now and what they did with with pvt is now we put some energy behind it we we've kind of relaunched it uh, we've turned it into a group actually in our company and we have staffed it um, and it's full of um, you know our laser scanning team uh, we have a consulting team we have basically the previous the um, R&D group emerging technology all got kind of wrapped into that group as well we brought a few other players in um, some some very technical folks that were in the company that really wanted to you know get involved and um, you know, I think we have a pretty strong team now. We just launched our website at the beginning of the month and that's precisevisual.com. So if you wanted to check that out, uh, that would be a little more insight too. Um, but it's, I, I think it's, it's the evolution of, of the innovation at Fort and Lawson, you know, that, that happened the whole way through from, you know, the first time we bought a laser scanner to the committees that got built to the, beyond engineering and then eventually PVT happened. And it was just kind of like, we, we grew this thing organically and it had plenty of food and it did, and it did really well. And I think that PVT is a you know, great new frontier for us. It's a great new venture. And um, you know, the conversations we're having with people now are just really exciting. And I, I'm, ex I'm excited to, to get into it, so. That's quite um, a, quite a journey. I mean, it went all the way from, you know, a piece of technology and lunches all the way to uh, a fairly successful 
launch to a or relaunch yeah. to a company. So in a way it's like you've made it and now you get to start, right? You've, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm finally where I wanted to start. <laughs> yeah. It just took five years to get started. Yeah. Um, you mentioned like you, you know, you encourage people to bring ideas to you. I mean, how did you all go about engaging, you know, everyone else? I mean, th those that didn't necessarily want to participate in the group, I mean, did you open it up so that anyone could bring, you know, something to, to the table? Yeah, a lot of times, um, you know, so we, we, so in emerging technology, we, we created a, a process for people to submit ideas to us, uh, which kind of opened it up. There was a lot of, a lot of footwork, I think, that happened in, in emerging technologies. I just talking to people, getting into groups. I mean, you know, I started in in civil and architecture and I like, you know, the guys in my group, I have an electrical and INC guy, um, a structural guy. And, um, you know, we, 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 we kind of just dispersed ourselves amongst the company and kind of was like, Hey, where can I help you? Where can I help you? And, you know, just started talking to people in the other groups. And I threw myself into the highway group and into our, you know, our land planning group. And um, it just, we were trying to work with them, get on their projects so we can kind of see into their world a little bit, but also start striking up conversations with the people that are, you know, in those groups. And so again, it was just so much footwork and, and, and just talking to people and really kind of taking, taking the, the message door to door, you know, and I, I feel like that really paid off. The, uh, you know, here at Applied, we're going through our own sort of innovation journey, I guess, you know, we pro we've done it for a long time and now we're like officially trying to do it. And so I'm was putting in all or trying to put in all that foundation. And I found it's like, I have a process and then all of a sudden I like focus on one part. So we have a yeah. way of submit ideas and then I get overloaded with ideas. And then I'm like, well, crap, now I got to be able to evaluate and prioritize. And then I able to do a couple of those. And then it's like, well, now I got to figure out how to make a team. And, you know, and, yeah. and so it is, it's definitely a journey. So I yeah. am at the beginning of where you all are now. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure everything wasn't always, you know, super easy. I mean, did you come across like some real challenges, real obstacles? I mean, was it, you know, just having the time? Was it certain um, yeah. philosophies, methodologies? I mean, what are some of the challenges you guys have run into as you've now made it to the beginning of your journey? I think like for me, um, finding finding application for some of the, the bigger tech was something I struggle with. You know, we, we, we really wanted to get people into virtual reality. We wanted to get people into augmented reality. We wanted to start talking about, you know, centralized, you know, single source of truth type of situ uh, applications, um, mobile field uh, collections with phones and stuff like that, rather than people having to take some sort of survey device out or write down notes. We wanted to get people into using mobile. And it was like, we had all these great ideas and we saw this technology that really worked. So then we meet with our, you know, internal, we call them our internal clients, which was yep. just coworkers. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'd meet with them and we'd talk to them about the stuff that we had. And, and, you know, and I, you know, and by working with the groups, we would try to, you know, see areas where we could apply this stuff and say, you know, would this be valuable from here? And, and then eventually if we, we got enough steam behind something, we'd take it to the client, the external client. And, um, you know, we'd sit with them and then we'd show them and then they were kind of like, oh, man, I don't know, this is, this feels like a lot, you know? <laughs> and, and that was, I think the biggest thing is like, we had all these great ideas. We boiled, we built up a lot of solutions. Um, and, and it was just hard to get traction on a lot of them. And, and so, but we, now we understand so much that's capable. And like you mentioned earlier, like 
you know, everybody wants to know a return on investment. And, and to be totally honest, there was a lot of things that came and went in emerging technologies that just never got traction and never took off. And um, there was a lot of things that just came out that were just best for the edification of the entire company. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and um, you know, they, other things that just, the, the return on the investment was that we sat in front of a client and we had a higher level conversation. And for instance, I worked up on this one solution and it took me about a week to build this thing. And uh, we brought it to a client that specifically said, I need to see something like that before I ever entertain a meeting with you guys. Like it was pretty, pretty straightforward. And uh, we had the meeting with them and we ended up getting work with them that had nothing to do with what I had built. But we had such a great conversation after we had, we, we showed them the, you know, everything that we had. And it just like it, it, it expanded the conversation to a whole nother level with, with the company. And, um, and, and that's like, it, that's been the struggle is like, I feel like I, I can't get these things to stick, but then all of a sudden they're creating value elsewhere. And, and, and that was kind of one of the things with, with PBT is like, we started to recognize that the conversations were the real values at, you know, it's not just, Hey, let me just make up an idea and bring it to you and say, Hey, you want to buy this? You want to buy this? It's like, let's talk. Let's, Let's see where your pain points are at. Let's have a discussion about, you know, where you could see, see some actual um, improvements. And then, you know, we'll go through an entire process and actually work out where we can implement some changes, you know, some easy changes, some difficult changes and kind of work through, you know, everybody's on, you know, that digital transformation, you know, journey right now. Yeah. You know, we're working on that. (laughs) The, um, I, I was curious because like uh, currently, at least from my perspective, a lot of what we're doing uh, has been internally focused. So the buy-in is a little easier. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see the challenges as innovative as you may be. You're still at the end of the day playing with theoretically someone else's money. You're trying to get to, you know, that other client who may not think the same way. But I think right. thinking of the relationship or the conversation is a true win or a metric to, to go by. Like when I set up these podcasts and in the beginning, somebody say, well, you know, what does success look like? Is it a hundred viewers? Is it a thousand viewers? I was like, success for me is who I have on it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's great for having a bunch of people listen, but depending on who I can talk with and who I can learn from and who Mm -hmm. I, who I could instill something onto that in a way has a lot more value because, you know, for instance, we may have five people listen to this. We may have 5,000 people listen to this, but you and I have now met. You and yeah. I now can have a conversation past today. Um, yeah. And so I think bringing that up and sort of preaching that because it, it is a long journey with a lot of failure. Um, yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I always use like, I'm a huge baseball fan. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's a game of failure. A hall of fame average, maybe 300, which you failed seven out of 10 times. And, yeah. you know, right. and, and what's so interesting, like the, I was working on something the other day and I spent a whole day, and at the end of the day, I was no better than I was at the beginning, other than I learned a hundred ways not to do it. Yeah. Um, and so your persistence, I think, is also something to, to really appreciate and commend. Yeah, and, definitely. You know, pushing it through. I definitely uh, want to echo it. it, was, it this conversation is great. I, I definitely, if nothing else, this is a good conversation um, because it, you know, I can talk about this stuff till I'm blue in the face. <laughs> you know? And it's oh, just yeah. good to have a conversation with somebody who's got the same level of like energy about it. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it really is fun. Um, you know, because 
I, my background started in architecture. Um, and similar to you, it was like, I was getting, so I, I graduated the first time in 2009, which is mm -hmm. not a good time to graduate. Yeah. And uh, so I like, decide what I wanted to do. And then I went back to school and I got a master's in construction. So not architecture. So I can't sit for the professional exam except for like in a couple states. Mm -hmm. Well, so I immediately got met with, don't you want to be a licensed architect? Don't you want to do this? Don't you want to do this in a way? Like, don't you want to fit into my, my right. shoes? And so, you know, I, I relate to you in that you eventually I got to the point where it's like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, I can influence without doing that because we are in an industry where it seems like you get, this is not always true, but a lot of times you get promoted based on longevity and some of the best designers have worked there for 10 years, but then they have to be a project manager. And it's like, I don't want to be a project manager. I want to yeah. be a designer. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it, that's crazy. Like there's so many guys that have so much talent or you know, girls that have so much talent, like, and they, and they, they come up through their career and they're just, putting out an incredible product and one day they're just like hey you are a pm now and now all that time you spent doing your work like yeah you have all that experience and you can teach and mentor you know younger you know staff coming up but at the same time like <laughs> they're so good at it why take them out of the mix you know it, it could be you know there's benefits both ways but it's just it is funny like i never wanted to be taken out of the mix mm -hmm. uh, i always wanted to have my hands on stuff and um, so as we kind of wrap up, you, uh, so you guys have this new journey now. Um, do you see yourself, I mean, are you now like full time this new journey? Are you still practicing engineering or you full on PVT? Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, my title is, so I'm, I'm definitely in the PVT group. It's just that as, as the, as a company, as a whole, you know, Borton Lawson and PVT, the two of them, you know, we, we have to make sure that, you know, business is, is important. You know, we have to make sure that we're profitable at the end of the day. And, um, you know, it, it, we're kind of, we're kind of nimble, you know, I think as a, as a company, we're nimble, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when, when there's peaks in one group and valleys in another, we can shift people around. Um, we're very good at that. Um, you know, with the, with the culture we have, it's, it's easy to plug people in from one group into another. And I think being a, a mid-sized company or smaller mid-sized company, it's, uh, it, it makes it easier too because everybody knows each other. Yep. Uh, so, so, you know, I definitely still work in the other groups. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm working on civil projects right now. I'm doing a lot of stuff with GIS and a lot of groups. Um, and, um, you know, my other guys, you know, we're, they're all over the place and, you know, it, but it's like, having, having our reach throughout the company is, is a good thing for us. You know, it gives us opportunity to experience stuff continue because I think if you took us out of the engineering world and you just put us in this group and we just all sat in a corner and played with technology and waited until a client asked for something like we would just lose touch with reality. Like we need to still be out there. And I think it's a good model. Oh no, I think it's a great point. Um, because in a way you, cause the, the pain points may change. And so being able to stay in touch, I think is, is a great thing. Um, so as we kind of end, why do you feel like there is a need to innovate in general? Okay. Uh, well, I mean, your hot take, your hot take of sorts, why should we innovate? I, I honestly feel like innovation has been the constant, like throughout humanity. So, I mean, it's just, it's just, it feels so crazy right now. Uh, but everything's crazy right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
but I mean, you know, something as simple as, as you know, the wheel or mathematics or whatever is innovation. And um, <laughs> um, it, it's just the times are different. And it, the, the, it's all, you know, digital now. It's all, um, you know, it's all about accessing data from, from remote locations and, and it, it really what it does is it, it, it removes the mundane and the monotonous and the repetitive from our lives and mm -hmm. it makes things get to places quicker get to the end user quicker product built faster and ultimately it's all about opportunity you know it's all about opportunity like that was my big thing throughout my my career was and it is my big thing is is what else could i be doing right now and i think that's the biggest thing with innovation throughout the history of time is uh, I don't want to spend eight hours doing this. If I could make this happen in a minute and I could spend eight hours doing something way more valuable. Oh yeah. And I think all anybody in any industry can relate to that. If you're in manufacturing, if you're, you know, in the utilities, if you're in engineering, if you're in marketing, if you're whatever a teacher, <laughs> like it's just, there's opportunity cost. What, how much time is it costing you right now? How much are you losing because you haven't found a better way to do something? And what could you be doing if you had found a better way? Those are great parting words. I, you know, I, the thought of um, the moment you say there has to be a better way, chances are there probably is. You just have to think oh, yeah. about it a little bit more. I can't ever say no to anything anymore. If someone asks me if something can be done, I say, first off, yes. Second of all, let me think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not by me, but yes. Thanks for listening to the AEC Disruptors podcast. Enjoyed this episode? Leave us a rating or review while sharing with your friends and coworkers. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a LinkedIn request or follow our LinkedIn page and let me know if there's a topic you'd like to hear. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. The AEC Disruptors is directed by Christopher Riddell, produced by Todd Wyant, edited by Eric Daniel, and co-hosted by Jackson Sensat. The AEC Disruptors is an applied software production, copyright applied software 2020.